You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on Frank Reich being hired as the new head coach of the Colts and focus on the NFL draft with Matt Miller of Bleacher Report. And Brian, let's kick off the podcast today and go around the league with Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports. Frank, thanks for taking the time. Let's start in Indy. The Colts have a head coach finally after Josh McDaniels backed out last week. It's Frank Reich making the move from Philadelphia. I'm the biggest Andrew Luck fan in the world, but none of us know if Luck's going to be fully healthy and that division's gotten much better. So how good of a job is the Colts' opportunity? I just, it's impossible to say that right now because of luck. I mean, it's, how, how do you even quantify it? You might be signing up to coach Andrew Luck and end up coaching Jacoby Brissett. I mean, and nothing they've said has been very positive. It's, you know, hey, he's coming along, but he can't throw football yet. Really? Like, it's, it's been 14 months since he last played a game. I I don't know. I, I'd be very nervous. I, I mean, Look, any NFL job's fine. There's only 32 of them. If I'm Frank Reich, I'm not exactly turning it down if they offer it. But, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what he's signing up for. It's it's impossible to say what he's getting into. Without Andrew Luck, that's not a very good team, not a very good roster. It's kind of a tough owner to play for at times. So, you know, if there's no Andrew Luck in the picture or he's not the same Andrew Luck, it's, it's, it's not as good of a job as it looks from the outside looking in. You just mentioned not the same Andrew Luck. You know how sometimes we we basically dot players or start gauging players on on based on how they're healthy. You know their health is. Sam Bradford, for example. There's many says that go out and say that he has a great technique. I mean, when he's healthy, he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the game. But he can't stay on the football field. He becomes a liability. How do you start gauging Andrew Luck? Because over the last three years, he's missed 26 games, and he was given 87 million bucks a few years ago. So how do you start creating a narrative around Andrew Luck if he can't get back on the football field? Yeah, and that's a tough thing. I, I I always hesitate to call guys injury prone or whatever because sometimes you just get unlucky. Sometimes just a hey, uh, you. you you know, fall the wrong way, somebody falls into your leg, well, whatever it is, you know, I mean, some of those injuries are just bad luck, but, yeah, the ability to stay on the field is huge, and, look, they haven't helped him, I mean, he gets, we watch those games, we watched Jacoby Brissett this year, that offensive line just gives those guys a pounding, they don't protect those guys well enough, so, when we're looking at Andrew Luck and trying to figure out, okay, is he, is he now a liability as far as staying on the field, I, I hope not, but, you know, the, like you said, the stats are there. The offensive line's not good. He's still recovering from this one. It's kind of a tough deal, all in all. It's uh, it's not the you know, it's Andrew Luck looked like a very very sturdy guy, but I think a little bit of the pounding he's taken is kind of catching up to him. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Frank, since Frank Reich has departed Philadelphia, let's talk about Nick Foles. One year left on the contract. Do you think he goes back to being number two on the depth chart with the Eagles, or? Is he an asset? And maybe the Eagles get somebody trying to blow him away, offering him a first-round pick, and he could be flipped and traded. I think it all comes down to what they can get. I think if you can get a first, I don't think you will. I think if you can get a, let's say, high second, you got to really think about, hey, let's cash in on this. And if, I mean, the whole X factor of this is, is if Wentz is healthy opening day. And it's, it's not a, it, 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 it seems kind of minor, but it's not. 
they're going to start three, four days ahead of everybody else because they play that Thursday game. So we don't know if, if Wentz is going to be healthy for week one, week two, week three. What if he's out a month? And then you're going to kind of kick yourself for trading Nick Foles unless you get a, a lot for him. I think we saw this season that, you know, the obvious value there is in having a really good backup quarterback. I don't think the Colts or the Eagles are going to just throw that away for a mid-round pick. It's got to be a really, really good pick. Otherwise, they're just going to say, look, our quarterback's still hurt. We don't know when he's going to be back. We're not going to just trade Nick Foles for nothing just because we have to. They're they're going to be very prudent, I think, with Foles, and it's going to have to be a very good offer for them to, to pull trigger there. Give me a take on Des Bryant. You know, he was in a system with Tony Romo where, you know, Tony being considered as a gunslinger, similar to Brett Favre, someone he's idolized growing up, so where he would throw some of the balls up in the air and let Dez go and get it. Well, now it's more of that strategic style offense where it's the dink and dunk, where we see Jason Witten get more catches. We see uh, Cole Beasley get more catches. We see Terrence Williams get more catches to where now it looks like Dez Bryant is washed up. He can't get it done anymore. How do you think they deal with him moving forward? It's going to be really interesting. I think Des has lost a step, but that doesn't mean he's he's not a really good receiver still. And I just wonder what does what does that receiving core look like without him? Let's, I mean, I don't I don't know if it's going to get to that point, but let's say he doesn't take the pay cut and they just decide, hey, this is too much money, we'll let you go. Who's the number one receiver? It's, is it thirty six year old Jason Witten? Is it Terrence Williams, who's really never stepped up when Des Bryant's been hurt or whatnot? Who are we going to get in the draft? Who's going to be that kind of a number one receiver? Who are we going to sign who's going to be a number one receiver? The free agency is, is the last few years has been pretty weak at receiver because you just don't find number one guys out there. I just, you know, I think the Cowboys are in a position where they just really need to hope that Des Bryant takes his pay cut. And then, you know, he's still a number one guy. He's not the top five in the NFL guy anymore, but he can still be productive. He can still be good. It's just you got to temper expectations, and he, eventually, at some point, the Cowboys have to figure out a way to get, you know, a little more help around him, and, and maybe a guy who, who can be his successor. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber, chatting with Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Frank, how much are you buying the Gronk retirement talk? I could see him in the WWE making bad movies like Brian Bosworth, but to me, this feels like a ploy just to get more money out of the Patriots. I don't think it's that. I, I, he gets a lot of money. I, I don't know that Gronk is necessarily the type of guy who's that calculating. That after a game, he's sitting there thinking, hey, if I play this card, I'm going to get more money. I just think that was, that, that's who he is. And and I think he was being straight up when, when he was asked about it and said, I, I think everybody goes through that if you're a football player at that age. It's taking that kind of abuse on your body. You start thinking, got a lot of money in the bank. Do I want to do this again? I think at the end of the day, he will. He seems like a guy who genuinely loves football. He's still obviously great. I mean, he is still at the peak of his playing ability. So I don't think he's ready to step away yet. But, yeah, I, I think you ask almost a lot of guys. I think you can ask a, a lot of different guys after their last game of a season, especially if it ends in a disappointment. Are you going to be back? And a lot of guys would maybe say, i got to think about it. I don't know. I don't necessarily mean the thing that means he's going to be, you know, this is it for him. But I do think he's thinking about it. And if he does step away, look, I get it. It's, it's, he's taking a, a lot of punishment on his body. And you got to start thinking about, hey, is this time for me to get out when I'm still, you know, able to walk away? This seems like now Frank is the lead for backups, right, when it comes to success. I mean, look at stories with Kurt Warner. Look at stories with Tom Brady, Nick Foles, Case Keenum. I mean, look at players. Look at Kirk Cousins when coming in for RG3. These two guys now are 
are probably going to be on the open market. I know for sure Cook Cousins, but Case Keenum, um, of course, they're the most valuable one of the two. Of course, we know it's Kirk Cousins. But what do you see Case Keenum having a chance to go? Because there is some sound coming out of Denver that they're interested in. Yeah, I've heard that too. I'm obviously based in Denver, and you've heard that name come up a lot of times when you talk to people. Um, I, I don't know if that's legit. I don't know if that's kind of negotiate, trying to get the word out, kind of negotiating against Cousins a little bit to, to drop his price maybe. Because if, if Kirk Cousins is legit, he said many, many times Super Bowl week, I, I want to go for a winning team. Well, there ain't many winning teams looking for a quarterback, Kirk. <laughs> I mean, uh, it ain't the Jets. It ain't the Browns. So, I, I, But the but getting back to Keenum, I think that I think the Cousins domino has to fall first because, like you said, he's the most valuable of this group. Once he's off the market, then teams have to reassess. They, a team like the Broncos has to say, you know, we we got a really high pick. We could, we're probably going to be able to draft a Josh Allen or a Baker Mayfield. Do we want to do that or do we want to drop? I think I think Case is going to get twenty million. I, I don't see why not. If Osweiler got eighteen, if Mike Lennon got fifteen. After the year Case Keenum had, I, I don't know why he wouldn't get 20. I, I still think he ends up with the Vikings. I, I just think it's hard for the Vikings to to kind of step away from, hey, we were one game away from a Super Bowl. Let's change it up and bring in a different quarterback. I think that's really, really difficult. So I think he ends up there. But if he doesn't, yeah, I mean, just the, the way he played, you're going to talk yourself into it if you don't have a quarterback. You're the Jets. You're desperate. You're going to the Broncos, whoever. I think you're going to talk yourself into, hey, Case had a good year. Let's let's give him that $20 million and see what happens. I, I don't know if that's right or not, but I, th- I think he's going to get paid like, you know, he's a top a top 10 starter, basically. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Frank, if we're going to count other people's money based on Jimmy Garoppolo breaking the bank, derived from seven career starts, five coming in San Francisco. How much money is Kirk Cousins going to make this offseason? Oh, I assume 30. I've always assumed 30 because this is a really unique situation. You go back, I mean, free agency started basically in 93. We've never seen a guy like Kirk Cousins hit the open market. You could go back and look at all the history. Every good quarterback who's hit the open market has either been way past his prime, injured, not very good, not as good as Kirk Cousins, or... You know, the team has some backup plan in place, right? I, this is not, this is just so unique where a guy who's 30 years old, who I think is a top 10, 12 quarterback in his prime, healthy, hits the open market. This just never happens. It doesn't mean Kirk Cousins is going to be the best quarterback ever, or he deserves to be the highest paid player in NFL history. But this situation is so unique that I think teams are just, this is a rare opportunity to fix your quarterback problems with just, hey, we're going to be spending a lot of money on one guy in free agency. It's tough, Bill, when it is probably going to be 30 million or in that range, but I think that's what he gets. Now, what I mean, the only thing that could really screw that up is, let's say he really is stuck on, I'm just going to go to certain teams that can win right away. Well, that cuts down your suitors. That All of a sudden, that takes... The Browns who have $110 million in cap room. That takes the Jets out of the equation. They're going to have 90 some million. If you, if you start eliminating those teams, all of a sudden you're stuck with teams that might not pay you 30. But if Kirk Cousins just said, hey, high is bitter, let's go, he could get 30 easy. I don't think there's any question about that. Tell me about Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. Um, does he get his deal done to where he can be a stealer for life and actually retire there in the black and gold? I don't know because he turned down a ton of money last year. I mean, for a running back, he was he was basically going to break the bank. I, I mean, he was. They offered him for uh, the first three years, whatever, how much much money it was. I can't remember, but it was going to to 
clearly make him the highest paid running back in the league. He said, no, I'm worth more than that. I don't know how much more the Steelers can add on. And now he's got a season where he had a ton of touches. I don't know necessarily the Steelers want to invest in that. I mean, as much money as they're going to have to invest, I don't know that they want to do that. It's a tough situation for them, I believe. You know, you're looking at, again, you go back, who has the money, who can who can afford to pay Le'Veon Bell what he wants to get paid. There are a few teams, so I think he's going to get paid by somebody, but I just don't know if I don't think it's. I don't know if it's the Steelers. I know they want him back. In my back of my mind, I do think Le'Veon probably wants to be back because he's comfortable there. But it, it's a big, big investment they're going to have to make. Finally, Frank, we're talking draft final hour of the program. I give you Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. Which of those quarterbacks would you have the most confidence in? I, I do like Baker. I really do. I I, I guess I, I I'm torn. I, I still think we're we're early in the process. I. I want to see the stuff that comes out of the combine and the workouts. I, I do think Darnold is going to be very good. I think I have a few more questions about Rosen. I don't think Josh Allen's going to be. I, I just, I just, I, inaccurate guys in college don't become accurate in the pros. It has never happened. It just, it just doesn't. I mean, that's the one fatal flaw, and he has it. I think. So I'm like everybody else who has the the hang up with Baker's height. I mean, how many guys were that tall? Yeah, Drew Brees did it. Yeah, Russell Wilson did it. Those guys are, are unicorns. They're, those guys aren't rare. There's a reason teams like guys a certain size to play quarterback. And, you know, drafting Baker number one when he's six foot tall is a it's tough. It's, it's a gamble. I think he's the best player out of these guys. But the size might affect him. I think Darnold, to me anyway, he's a total package. I think some of the things, the flaws in his game, like turnovers, he can fix. I think I pick, I think I pick Mayfield, but I think Darnold's a little safer. Frank, as always, we appreciate the insights. As we say goodbye, I was jotting down some notes, and I think you're right, and we overuse the term literally, but in this case, you're using it with specificity. Literally, I can't think of anybody who had mediocre numbers like Josh Allen when it comes to precision and completion percentage suddenly becoming more accurate when he made it to the NFL. No, it is. It's the Jake Locker thing. It's right. the Hackenberg thing. It's it's hard. I mean, I don't know of anybody. Maybe I'm just missing it, but like, I've looked, and I can't find anybody who was miserably inaccurate in college and then became accurate in the pros. That's the one thing that just it just can't fix that. And I was just in Seattle over the weekend, and they're still talking about, what if Jake Locker had come out? Remember, he would have been the number one overall pick, and yeah. he was a flash in the pan in the NFL. Frank, we appreciate you taking the time to join us again on the NFL on TuneIn. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. TuneIn has what you need and when you want it when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Latin hits. Country roads. Hip hop beats. Sit down. Me on Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's continue on the path to the draft with Matt Miller from Bleacher Report. Matt, thanks for taking the time. I follow you on Twitter. Our listeners should as well, at NFL Draft Scout. I liked your tweet yesterday, which read, unpopular tweet below, I like Sam Darnold, I like Josh Rosen, I like Josh Allen, I like Baker Mayfield. All four have strengths, all four have weaknesses. We don't have to go to war over our guy. 
Has the draft, as much as we love it, and it's all-encompassing for you, become the ultimate land of hot takes because it feels like we put one candidate up and tear somebody else down in the process? Yeah, I think so. It's it's become this thing, guys, where you can't like one prospect and another. And I, I went on in that rant. So, you know, it's, it's almost become like politics where it's like you're I'm on one side and you're on the other and there's no middle ground. And we have to hate each other because we might disagree. So it, it's become this thing where – if, you like, if if Cordell likes Josh Brosnan, but I like Sam Darnold, we, we, we can't be friends and we can't be respectful toward each other. And it, it maybe it's more so on, on Twitter than everything else, but it is, it's frustrating. It makes it tough to, you know, to look at things and try to point out the, the strengths of a player, because the way I was taught to evaluate a prospect was, you know, to look at strengths, what can he do? And then try to put him in a support system to do those things. I, I think it makes it tougher when it is so hot takey. Matt, when you when you when you mention the strengths of the player, does it also involve the team? I, I know they're going to the National Football League and they're going to get paid and they have to do what the team says. But do you feel sometimes these teams are stretching or they don't even have the coaching staff? Because if you look at Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson, the Rams moved up to grab Goff, Philly moved up to grab Wentz. Uh, you have Mahomes, the Chiefs move up on it and the Houston Texans move up on these guys, which means these teams were somewhat in the middle of the pack. But when you think about the teams that are the top five teams, like Cleveland, Giants, Cleveland again, Denver, as well as the Jets, because we know Indy won't take a quarterback, do you think it's fair to say these kids won't be good or or these kids may have a tough time growing because these teams are really just that bad and may put too much pressure on them to be like the kids that I just mentioned in the other places where they were much better teams? Yeah, no, I think a lot of it is situation, you know, and, and if you're if you're Dak Prescott and you get drafted by the Browns instead of the Cowboys, how good are you? Or Carson Wentz, if you're drafted at number two, if the Browns keep that pick and draft you, what's your story right now? So I, I do think that that's something we have to take into account. And I've, I've, all, I've said for years now, I wish that it, there was time to, after the draft, almost re-rank these guys based on situation because – Last year, we would have all said, Pat Mahomes to Kansas City is the best possible fit for him because he's not going to have to play right away. and He's going to be developed by Andy Reid and Matt Nagy and all the guys they have there in that staff. It's an ideal situation. If Pat Mahomes had gone somewhere where he would have had to play right away, I think we would be talking about a guy we're very disappointed in. People might already be calling him a bust like they did Jared Goff after one year. So, so much of, especially with quarterbacks, so much of it is, is situation, environment, the coaching staff, if you have a coach who's willing to take a guy like Lamar Jackson and play to his strengths instead of saying, all right, man, you're gonna, it's going to be a five-step drop from under center and you're going to have to you know, make four reads and, and play from within the pocket. It's a lot different if you can get these guys drafted into spots that are, are going to just play to those great traits that they bring to the table and try to develop them along the way. Getting you set for the draft for the Combine coming up in a couple weeks with Matt Miller from Bleach Report. Matt, I went to grad school at USC. That's not important other than I'm based in Southern California. Watch USC play closely. So I saw Darnold's complete body of work. I like him. I don't love him. And it feels like we focus on flaws. So if I say Darnold, the quick reaction is going to be way too many turnovers. How many of those picks and lost fumbles were on him? And what's the upside? What are the positives that we're not talking enough about? Yeah, I, I think his toughness. People are going to point to turnovers. I feel like context is so important. How many of those, like you said, were on 
a receiver run on the wrong route or on a dropped pass. Um, it, you know, even some of those plays where I think he likes to play a little hero ball, how much of that was on the offensive line not holding up their protection? And, and so you try to evaluate with context and, and say, okay, if, if we can give him a good offensive line, this isn't a problem. And, and so the strengths there, I think, are toughness, poise, and just incredible amount of times that USC would get to the fourth quarter and go, oh, crap, we're losing. Sam, go save us. And they would open up the playbook, and he would make these miraculous drives. I'm a Texas fan. I saw it firsthand when you guys played us this year. So it, I think those are the things that you like, you know, that he, he can extend with his legs, but he's not someone that's going to expose himself to big shots as a runner. Uh, I, I think he has really good touch accuracy. And, you know, it's kind of like Deshaun Watson was in that when the game starts to get crazy, I think he just calms down a little bit. And like the more you hit him, the better he gets. You know, if you're going to hit him a couple times in the pocket, it's not going to throw him off his game. He's not going to get scared. And that's, that's one thing that I love about him that, it's such a cliche, but you really can't coach those types of things. You mentioned a runner, uh, Matt. Last year was the was the year for the backs. I mean, you had uh, Joe Mixon, who was a question mark because of some of the off-the-field issues he's had there at Oklahoma, and he ended up going in the second round still. But you had Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, and Kareem Hunt, for sure, who were, who were stunning uh, this past season. You know, the league is a copycat league. What do you think happens to – uh, Saquon Barkley with his opportunity because he's not just a returner. He's about as good as he can get as a back coming out of the backfield, catching and running the ball. He really is. I, I think he's the best back that I've evaluated. And, and I would think that it is a copycat league and everybody wants that, that guy that could do it all. And I think Saquon's a lot like Ezekiel Elliott was without any off-field issues. You know, there are no concerns with this guy at all. And, and you know, so the, the type of skill set he brings – as a runner, he's 230 pounds. He's probably going to run in the four threes. He catches the ball. He scored on kick returns. It was every time he had the ball, you felt like something electric could really happen. So I think he'll be a top five or six pick. You know, we got to see what happens with these quarterbacks. If there's a run on them, what happens to free agency? But he is one of, if not the best player in this class. And and it being a copycat league, someone like Sony Michelle from Georgia, who I think has some Alvin Kamara type traits, especially as a receiver and as an outside runner it could really elevate his stock. And and same goes for someone like Ronald Jones from USC, who is a, another great athlete with speed when he gets out in, in space. He can make big things happen. So players like that become a little more in vogue. But to be a runner in the NFL now, you got to be able to do it all. You have to be able to run, catch, and block. And, and this year we've got a lot of guys that can do all three and do them really well. Talking NFL Draft with Matt Miller from Bleach Report. Matt, how about Josh Rosen of UCLA? Positives play in the pro-style offense, big arm, right young man the negative is i think a lot of teams don't want to deal with what's perceived to be a very strong personality yeah i mean you you said it if, if you're just watching the film jo- rosen's beautiful I mean, the, the way he plays from within the pocket is prototypical it's exactly how we all draw it up it's how you coach kids to do it i, I think so, like you said there's going to be a, a wide range of opinions on him because he's opinionated and you know, I, I've said before, if you're Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, who's also the ambassador to the U.K. right now, you're probably not drafting a quarterback who wore an F. Trump <laughs> hat to a golf course owned by Trump. It, it just doesn't go real well, right? So I, I think that's part of the thing that you have to get over. And, and you guys know well, and Cordell knows real well, that you know teams want a guy to be smart, to, to be football smart. But they also want you to love football, first and foremost, maybe more than your family at times. Uh, but they want you to have that family that you're going home to and not getting in trouble off the field. So I think that's, you know, the thing like Rosen, 
it's like the kid's been arrested. You know, he wasn't tackled by a cop on camera like Baker Mayfield. He's, he's not gotten in trouble off the field. He's just opinionated. Um, but as one uh, as one scout said to me this year, you know, if you're if you're two and ten and your quarterback's tweeting about the president, it's not a very good day for your organization. That's just not attention that you need. So I, I think that is something people have to figure out. You know, there are some holes to his game too. He's also a, you know he's a narrow framed quarterback that's been hurt every year. And I think at times he gets kind of stuck in the mud in the pocket and doesn't move his feet well. Everything needs to be on schedule for it to work for him. But when it's right, he's able to make some beautiful throws. And as the president says, that's big league, and he has to stop doing that quickly, as he would say sometimes (laughs) through some of his speeches that he gave. But give me your take on Baker Mayfield. You mentioned Baker Mayfield and – and some of the issues he's run into, but yet they're still allowing him to go to the draft. Uh, he gave a good speech and, and sounding humbled uh, once he ended up grabbing his Heisman Trophy. Uh, but give me your take, because there are some quarterbacks that aren't as tall, like the, I throw out the future Heisman Trophy winner in Drew Brees, and, and I'll mention a guy who was a journeyman, in Case Keenum, who came in the league and, 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 and didn't get drafted. Then all of a sudden he took his team to the NFC Championship game, and here come this kid right now. He's short. He's not. He's six foot tall. They say diminutive is the word they like to use. And from a technical standpoint of being co- politically correct, give me your take on Baker Mayfield and what he may be able to do in the game. Yeah, I, the Case Keenum comparison is a fun one right now. I, I I don't think you're very far off with that at all. They're built similarly. And, and as athletic as Baker is making things happen with his feet, he's actually not that fast. I mean, he's not Russell Wilson in terms of speed. So I think one thing that he has to prove is can he play from the pocket? He did so this year at Oklahoma. Passes weren't getting batted down to the line of scrimmage. He was making throws, you know, off his drops. I think that's what's really important for him. He's another guy teams are going to have to have a conversation about. You know, off the field, how do we feel about a guy who's a little fiery? Uh, that you know, we saw it happen in the Kansas game where he's grabbing his crotch and, and yelling across the field. Um, he also has that chip on his shoulder that you love in a quarterback. It's the same one that Tom Brady has. The same one that Aaron Rodgers has, where. He was passed over coming out of high school, uh, walked on to Texas Tech, was passed over there after being the starter, walks on at Oklahoma, ends up winning a Heisman Trophy. So I think in some ways you could look at Baker and say, man, that, that's a dude I don't want to bet against because he's overcome every odd. At the same time, there's like four short quarterbacks in the NFL who are good. You know, and Drew Brees is a special dude in terms of football IQ and, and, and accuracy, and he was at Purdue. And Russell Wilson is a special guy in terms of athleticism. And there's a reason that, you know, he would probably be playing in Major League Baseball right now if it wasn't for his football career. And I don't see either of those traits right now from Baker Mayfield. Let's not say they, they can't be developed, especially the football IQ side of it. But coming out of a spread offense, it's always something that NFL teams are going to worry about. Matt, appreciate the time. I enjoy reading your analysis on Bleach Report. Hope we can chat with you again as we get closer to the draft. Yeah, appreciate it, fellas. Have a great day. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Tune in, listeners. It's Fanbuary. It's Fanbuary? Yes, Fanbuary. That time of year when we get ready for life after football. NBA playoffs. Two, one for the win. Yes! March Madness. Slam to ants. MLB Spring Training. It's gone. It's a home run. NHL playoffs. Here's a chance. Block, rebound, score! And the best way to celebrate Fanbuary is by upgrading to TuneIn Premium so you don't miss any of the great moments in sports. Commercial free with TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's spotlight Indy and the Colts hiring Frank Reich to be their new head coach. 
There is no offseason in the National Football League, and there's legitimate news today in Indy, and that's where we're starting with Colts GM Chris Ballard officially introducing his new head coach, Frank Reich. When we started this process, we kind of put down a list of things that we were looking for. You know, we wanted a leader, a guy who has a big-picture vision, who's honest, smart, adaptable, can communicate, who's a teacher, and who's a partner. And I have no question that we've found that with Frank. I feel very fortunate um, that he's our head coach. And I think good things are to come here for the city of Indianapolis and for the Indianapolis Colts. Let's stop right there. We'll hear from Frank Reich momentarily. Cordell, I jot down notes, as you know. The word I just circled from Chris Ballard, honest. Was that a direct shot taken at Josh McDaniels for being less than open, less than transparent? I'll say it again, the word I used on Friday, duplicitous, backing out of that job. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's who it was directed towards 110%. I mean, I know it's a tough job because you're trying to build a team um, to be something that they hadn't been. I mean, if you look at offensively and just overall as a team, I mean, in every category, they're anywhere from 28 to 31st. I mean, that's pretty bad. That's the bottom of the totem pole uh, when you really add it up. I mean, you have Andrew Luck. Over the last three years, he's missed 26 games. I mean, you have to keep him healthy on the football field by being able to get him an offensive line, by being able to create a running game. And I don't think no one understands that. I say it again. Three years, he's missed 26 games. So what they're doing is is they're utilizing him in a way that's forcing him to have to do more than what they need him to do, let alone what they want him to do, because now after every season, whether it's the shoulders, whether it's the kidneys, or whatever it may be, he's being injured and he's being held out of games. I think it started off in the early part of, of his career. He lost, he missed two games, then he missed seven, then he missed one, and then last year he missed all 16 games. So now you start looking at a trend of, of what's taking place with Andrew Luck. You know, you have to ask yourself this question. Is it Andrew Luck or is it this football team? And I think most people will understand what they're doing with him, as I said from the very, very beginning for Andrew Luck being at this organization. Don't try to make him a Peyton Manning because he could never be a Peyton Manning. There's no more Peyton Mannings coming to the National Football League that did the things, whether it's Omaha, uh, whether it's, you know, Nebraska, wherever he went. You know, when it came down to his audibles he made at the line of scrimmage, there will be no more of that. So now it's going back to what makes Andrew Luck the player that allowed him to get drafted in a draft early in a time in which he came into the National Football League. That stemmed from running the football first, establishing a line of scrimmage with doing that, play action pass, and get you some credible receivers on the outside. Nothing special. Nothing special. Just guys that understand where they need to be and are prepared to block down the football field. If they can do that, I think someone like a Frank Reich after playing in the National Football League for 14 years, having a chance to coach in the National Football League for another 12, I mean, that's 26 years of, 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 of experience in the National Football League to where with what they had the opportunity to do last year as an offensive coordinator over the past, two to, over the past couple of years, this team has been in the top five, the top 10 when it comes to yards per, what is it, uh, yards per game to, to points per game. I mean, they were at the top of the food chain, and last year they, they averaged 28 points a game, which was third in the National Football League, and they were extremely good in the red zone. One of the best, if not the best, in the red zone when it came to scoring touchdowns. So if you can take that information and transfer it over to this offense, 
What does that mean you have to do? You have to establish the line of scrimmage. You have to get a credible running game. Think about how they did it in Philadelphia last season. Clements, Smallwood, uh, you had LeGarrette Blunt. Then you had Jay Ajayi, who I think they end up grabbing a jewel out of Miami where they thought they couldn't do anything with him, but he ended up being one of the marquee players out of the backfield uh, by doing it by committee for the Philadelphia Eagles. So if they can start actually building around that, allowing Andrew Luck to run the football when he needs to on schedule as opposed to being off schedule because that's how he got hurt. He got hurt a multitude of times by being in the third eight situations and, and having to force certain throws and having to force certain runs because he wants to try to create the plays and do it by himself, but he can't. And I think that's what somewhat to me is, is, is forcing his body to break down because he's taking too many hits. So you hope Frank Wright can come in and, and bring uh, some of that help. He doesn't have to you know, have the greatest players, but get a group of guys. That, that, that understand the game of football, similar to what we saw with the Rams. They, everyone thought the Rams were done when it came. Even Jared Goff, he was a bust, allegedly. And then all of a sudden, they got rid of Jeff Fisher. In comes the young kid on the block, and Sean McVay as a head coach, the youngest coach in the history of the game, there with the L.A. Rams, put this team in position to go to the playoffs. And I thought that was a great year for that organization, considering where they've been and where they've come. And so I think now it's time to – to look at some of that blueprint of, of how you do things. Because, you know, these teams that are having success now, their head coaches are offensive-minded guys. When you really start putting it together uh, offensively in the guys who are having success, other than the Bill Belichick's of the world, other than the new Mike Vrabel and a few other coaches throughout, but the Kyle Shanahan's of the world. I mean, it's starting to turn into now an offensive-driven team. How are they going to go about their business to protect the guy at the helm at number 12, to keep him healthy, keep him upright, keep him – because when he's upright and he's healthy and they're capable of staying somewhat ahead of schedule or at least on schedule, I think they'll have a chance to be successful. And I, and I love the mobility of him when he's in the game. But if he can't stay healthy, it's a waste of conversation because if he's off the field and he has to stay out for whatever reason – this move for Frank Reich, the money of 87 million bucks, this great conversations of he tells the truth, he's not a liar kind of stuff. He's an honest man. <laughs> it's, it's a waste of waste of time. So let's just make this investment be something that's, that's worth the conversation and not potential conversation so that we can see more of what we know or what we've had a chance to see him doing a small sample size when he was out on the football field, which is have some success, win games from behind, put his team in position to go to the AFC championship game, get him back into that hunt because he is one of the good quarterbacks in this game that if he can get in the right position amongst someone that he trusts and that can take care of him, I mean, that division now will become even, I would say, better than divisions like the NFC South because uh, that we know that division is really good. In the, in the beginning stages of an AFC West division where we can say any team like Kansas City Chiefs, Denver Broncos, Oakland Raiders – any three of those teams and the Chargers, even for the most part, depending on how they start and finish, can be can be one of those divisions that we can start talking about because the South is becoming one of the divisions that I think is making a move in the National Football League that that people are going to have to start paying attention to because not just one team like we've seen in the past was is really good. It's now becoming two to three, maybe even four teams, depending on how Frank Wright and his organization uh, go through the draft, free agency. 
and if the quarterback and Andrew Luck can come back healthy. Let's head back to today's press conference in Indy. Understandably, Frank Reich, excited to have this head coaching opportunity at last. Today is a new chapter, and I could not be more excited. And I just want to thank Mr. Ursay and the entire Ursay family for, for giving me this opportunity. I really believe we're going to work together to do something special for this city and for our organization, something that will be remembered for a long time. Reich ran through his bio, reminding the assembled media that he got his coaching start years ago in Indy. This is a great football city, and I'm happy to be home to my coaching roots. This is where I got my start, my first coaching job here with Tony Dungy as an intern and then eventually as a quality control coach and then as the quarterback coach uh, to get my start. What a better way to get started, and there could not be a better way to finish it right here in this great city. Finally, the new head coach of the Colts shared his coaching philosophy. Every person matters and that every detail matters in building a championship culture. One person at a time, one detail at a time, we will build a championship culture and make this city proud. That's what we're here for, and and we'll do it. One person at a time, one detail at a time, one player at a time, and one game at a time. One sentence at a time in today's press conference. There's only 32 head coaching jobs. Frank Reich has gotten a promotion. He's got a lot more money, five-year contract, financial stability for his family for decades to come. But if we're talking about this challenge, Cordell, a couple things come to mind. Frank's got no head coaching experience. We don't know if Andrew Luck's going to be able to play again this season. Frank Gore is 112 years old and heading into free agency. Name me a wide receiver that you can trust on that team, and I don't think the answer is Eugene T.Y. Hilton anymore. And the defense was a disaster. How long is it going to take the Colts to become relevant again in a division that you laid out pretty well a couple minutes ago that is vastly improved? Again, here's the thing for me. Um, You know, I know we, we, and again, it can't be one of those cases where as we go through this process like we do for the draft, right? We end up looking at these quarterbacks. We end up looking at these running backs like the Darius Juices of the world coming out of LSU. And and we try to look at their capabilities of playing a game. Like, what do, what do they bring to the table? And do they have the, the moxie to be a, tri, a top draft choice? I don't think you necessarily need a household name receiver to be a really good football team. I mean, think about Alshon Jeffries. Think about it. He came out of Chicago. Issues whether it's being suspended to injuries. And look what he ended up doing to this football team after leaving out of Chicago. Jay Ajahi gave you a year or so ago two, two 200-yard games within three weeks. He thought he was about to, to, to explode there with the running game. All of a sudden, they couldn't do anything at the beginning of this last season. They ship him off to go to Philadelphia. Look what he ends up doing. Look at Torrey Smith. I mean, you really when you really start putting it in perspective – about players and what they're capable of doing. It's just putting these guys in position to succeed. So the names aren't great names, but they can play the game of football. What do you do? I mean, look at San Francisco when Jimmy Garoppolo gets there. You end up starting pulling up names. Goodwin, you start pulling up names out of nowhere. That that guys that look horrible when they were playing under Beathard and also Brian Hoyer. And so when you, when you start looking at it, you start saying to yourself, they may be a piece or two away. We never thought that this, that this Rams football team with Todd Gurley not being able to give us one 100-yard game all last season 
but he gave us a few the year prior, which made him one of the best game players, let alone rookies of the year. We all of a sudden said he was washed up. He was done. He was a one-hit wonder. Just like other, I mean, we start putting him in the categories of many players that after their rookie year, they just fall off. But then all of a sudden he gets some quality coaching. And what happens? His talent actually starts to, to surface just a little bit different. So I, I'm not one that loves to say household name players are the ones that get it done. Because again, even, even they at times have rough times of being able to be successful because of coaches' inability of being able to put guys in the proper position to be successful. You can't tell me we thought Jared Goff would come back and have such an astonishing year that he had this year. There's no way possible. We all ran him off. Oh, yeah, you know, it's got to give him some time. or He's not good. You sure he's better than Carson Wentz? And, of course, Carson Wentz, he just, he just did everything that he's been able to do since he was in college, which is just win. And this year he was, you know, he was, I think, the MVP of the National Football League, obviously, until he got injured. But if they keep playing, you have to assume he got that award, period. And so I just, I just say for this football team again, Frank Reich is going to have his hands full of creating an identity in this organization um, that didn't have one for the years, in my opinion, and Andrew Luck has been there. I mean, they had a run to the AFC Championship game that was a good run, but everything was relying on number 12 to go out and play great every single week. One thing we know for sure about good football teams, they have a solid offensive line. They have a few pieces on the outside that are pretty good that give you an opportunity to win for the most part. New England, I mean, that's a prime example. I mean, who are these guys that came in? Some were in drafted. Some were lacrosse players. I think it was Chris Holt, correct me if I'm wrong, was a lacrosse player. He comes in out of nowhere. He comes in on the team, and look what he does. I mean, we had Amendola. He was a former quarterback. Playing wide receiver. You, you, you hang out with a guy like that every once in a while and play quarterback. Yeah. Play little receiver and, you know, all that good. What happened so to you, that guy? Yeah, he, I mean, he's somewhere around here. Mm. Guy, you know, he's, he's running around. Working out with does. kids, right? Working out with did kids. Did you lift? The, did you lift yeah, today? That's a whole – I did. I was on the ground doing <laughs> sit-ups with a 10-pound weight above my head about to pass My out. man, I'm concerned about you. Let's just have a quick sidebar. Are you going to be okay? I know you're trying to inspire the kids, but you also got to take care of yourself. That's what I'm doing. That's okay. why I'm working out because I'm taking care of myself. Trust I, me. I just feel like you're exerting a lot of effort. No, no. That, that the, you know, the effort – okay, so I can either work out with the kids for free uh-huh. or I can go find me a trainer and have him gouge me for <laughs> okay. however many bucks a day – to do what? The same things that my coaches are doing at the gym with the kids, and I got kids who can push me? That, that, that to me, right. that's... But, but and these, then these kids have a lot energy. of energy. A lot of energy. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's either I do it after I work out with those kids and do it on my own, because I got to give that coach an hour and a half of working out for sure, along with cardio. Why can't I just do it in the gym first thing in the morning? And why not be in the gym at 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning? When all the energy is at the highest level, that's the time when you burn the most calorie because your, your body is really ready to do something in the mornings. And then all of a sudden at noon time, take a power nap. Mm. You know, hope the kid doesn't call you and say, Dad, I forgot my left tennis shoe at home for track practice. Stuff like that, because that's what I have to do. Dad, hey, can you bring my shoebox for my, for my project I have for my science class? You know, stuff. So if, if, if I can make sure he has everything as we walk out of the door to take him to practice for workouts in the morning, which they maxed today. I didn't max today, meaning they, they worked on their benches and their power cleans and stuff like that before they actually go into winter break because winter break is next week. I didn't do the max. I just helped them with their max. You know, it was, it was fun. But 
as long as he gets his stuff, come home, take a power nap for about 30 minutes. Kaboom. You know, try to figure it out. Come on here and, and hope my, my voice can last for three hours because I'm, I'm coming off of, you know, a little, a little cold here. No, Still it's in beyond my chest, the cold. by the way. I, I'm, I'm going to play an amateur doctor. I think I have a combination of Ebola. Remember the Ebola virus? I heard of that. And walking pneumonia. I'm you don't still want all that. Dying. You would not be on air if you had all that. Well, of course. I'm <laughs> You'd a, be talking like this. <laughs> I'm a hot take guy, so I'm going over the top. <laughs> You're burning it off. My huh? point is, we've been back from Minnesota for a week and change. I'm, I'm still dying. Thank you, Minnesota. So now, so now it's cold. Now, now, no, I've now, returned to Southern California. I've been here for nine days. We had a great time covering that Super Bowl. Somehow it got buried into my lungs and my soul. See, here's the thing. See, it was so cold. Whatever issues you had, it was frozen until you until you it was frozen while you were there. And then when you left, it thawed out mm. and now it's just coming out. It's just I'm telling you, man, that, that stuff was so cold. I don't care what no one says. Bold North was about as bold as it can get. It was it was but we weren't in it much, but we were in it enough. Well, let me also give you an observation. You Go think ahead. sitting in a mall for eight hours a day, sucking like that, in actually. that air. I won't lie to you. I like that. Uh, for five days that a week cool. was good for our system. That just, was cool. Just a I, I, I got to be honest. Was, I mean, come on, man. You had the, you had the food court over. No, 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 no. And, and again, I want to make this completely transparent. In no way is this a critique or a complaining session. I'm just saying when you deal with the elements, there's a residual effect. Okay, back to football. Let's go. You are an Iron Man. You're working out with the kids. You're putting Thank your you. body together. Yes, sir. How much faith should Frank Reich have that his quarterback is going to be able to do any of those things? Man. Let's just say worst-case training camp, but let's be optimistic. Maybe OTAs. Do you think we're looking April, May, and we got the live, live uh, van getting ready outside of the Colts facility? Here comes Andrew Luck. Do you have confidence? We're all guessing. Do you have any sense that the Colts are telling us what's going on and Andrew Luck is going to be just fine? I think he's going to be okay. I, I, I mean, he has to be okay. Let's just say that. There's no choice. He has no choice. And the reason I say that is because we end up, I think, seeing him get uh, surgically repaired in the month of January. And I think we saw Cam Newton get his squared away for his shoulder is concerned in the month of March. Cam Newton comes back, had a solid year, took his team to the playoff. Andrew Luck, he couldn't even get on the practice field uh, not one time. Um, and then he takes the entire season off. I mean, there's conversations there coming out of that camp in Indy saying that he hadn't even thrown the football yet. He's just trying to get stronger. And so, you know, because you don't really know in detail what the issues were, similar to Carson Wentz in his, in his ACL, he all of a sudden thinking he ended up being his PCL, something like that, another another CL, LCL, PCL, something in there that, you know, that that came into play over his ACL. I mean, when... You know, you wonder if it's more to it than just, quote, unquote, the shoulder. Like, what part of the shoulder? You know, is it the labrum? You know, what is it? Tommy John's? What, what, is, what is it? You know, what, what type of surgery, you know, that he's having to go through to where, you know, it's holding him out this long. But most importantly, you know, when will he be able to come back? And will we ever get the conversation of, you know, how bad was it? You know, for him, and it's obviously, and obviously, it had to be better than I think, worse than they thought, because he ended up not playing at all, not playing at all during the 2017 season. So I think when you start putting it in perspective, and you're saying he's literally taken a full year, like calendar year, from January, 
now January has just passed, all the way up until OTAs, a legitimate year and a half off, which I think when you're thinking about places like the business place and, and, and just the real world of, of workplaces, that that is a legitimate time frame as a normal citizen that you would take off from issues like that as far as recovery. I understand, and, but isn't but it fair football, to wonder if he's going to be 100% again? We have no idea. I think no he'll be 100%. I okay. think he'll be 100%. I think you're being optimistic. Well, you have to be because a year and a half off calendar wise, how many how many how much time do we see ACL tears and things of that nature or show, you know, shoulders ACL tears? They say 8 months. Okay. So they come back what 8, 9, 10 months. We're talking calendar years of a shoulder injury that's been a full year. No, I and hear if you. He comes but back to LTAs. Cordell, a year go back and a to half. August. Go back to August. Chuck Pagano was telling us that Andrew Luck was going to be fine and play this season. Yeah, and it didn't happen. Right. So that's a part of that year and a half time. So you just say to yourself, because he didn't play starting August, and now we're in February. If he doesn't play next year, something's wrong with the, the, the these doctors that are working on him, or they're just not really telling us the truth. Of what it is. And I think at the end of the day, the worst thing that can happen is that he actually gets out there and they're not actually telling the story of what it is and he injures himself again. That, that, that can be a liability. That's a liability on steroids. Figuratively, seriously, that is, that is a problem. And then, you know, it comes down to the conversation of just like we do for other players. And I said this before, he just can't stay healthy. You know, you can't blame the doctors. You sometimes can't blame the coaches. It gets to the point is how durable is this player from the time he stepped on the football field in Indy until this last season, it's gotten worse for his playing time. That's three consecutive years. That's three total years of 26 missed games for Andrew Luck. And he's sitting on 87 million bucks guaranteed. So it goes to a place of who are these doctors how they're getting him prepared to come back, and are they going to put him in position to be successful far as the plays that they run to keep him out of harm's way. And so, you know, for me, I, I honestly will say I think he'll be back. I think he'll be 100%. He goes to Germany for a reason. And I think that's to get an opinion to help him, uh, let's just say hopefully, uh, get the diagnosis that he needs to understand what it is and then, you know, come back and apply his game to the field uh, out in the National Football League to where he can help his team move forward because this is, this is becoming a semi-headache because now you're, you're trying to cover. You know, you find people who are trying to cover, you know, this, this, this situation, a scenario, and, and most time when we talk about players that just can't stay healthy, you know, like, like a Sam Bradford. Right. Sam Bradford comes in as the number one pick. He comes into the draft, into the National Football League, is for some, considering that his skill set at the quarterback position, when healthy, is better than anyone in the National Football League. As far as his capability of getting the ball out of his hand, how accurate he is. But he can't stay on the football field. And what are we saying about him? He's a risk. He becomes a risk. He becomes a liability. What is Andrew Luck becoming right now? Same thing. And it's imperative that he comes back. This is why I'm saying, because I'm hopeful that he comes back 100%. Because if he doesn't, he now becomes a, a liability for this organization in Indy. And whoever you choose to blame, it's, it's, it's up to whoever they, they choose to blame. But every year since he's been a quarterback for this football team, particularly the last three years, every year, truthfully, he's missed a game. He's missed only one game. I think it was 2016 he missed one. 
We got to get him to the point where he could play for an entire season and walk away just with minor injuries like every player does in the National Football League. So will he come back? Now, it's, you know, is he a liability or is he an asset to, to this football team considering what they paid him and how they've actually positioned him to be in the National Football League, which most has put it, have put him in a position of being a quote-unquote elite quarterback? I beg to differ on that. He hadn't been on the football field to determine that. So you can't you know, put him in the categories of the Aaron Rodgers and the Ben Roethlisberger's and the Tom Brady's and the Drew Brees's. Because these guys, one thing we know for sure about them, other than Aaron, Aaron Rodgers this last season, they stayed on the football field. And if they're injured, they play with injuries. Now, this obviously is a, an injury that doesn't warn him the chance to get on it. But again, Sam Bradford, he's been injured. He hadn't been able to get out on the football field and stay. Is Andrew Luck falling in that category of becoming a liability for this football team as they move forward? to try to get him out on it to, to, to be successful. And that's why I said I'm not going to fall into that category. I'm going to fall into the category of he'll be healthy and he'll be back in 100% to play because that's why I think this year and a half, calendar-wise, this year and a half that he's been off and going to Germany, I think that's put him in position to hopefully be successful as far as his injury is concerned, and get back on the football field and help this team win. And let's make it the Netherlands, just to be precise, with our European geography close to Germany, but he took his talents across the pond looking for medical treatment. Even if he comes back and is 100%, and I'm hopeful that's the case, but I think it's fair to wonder if that's how it's going to play out. you got to fix the running back situation. We're talking draft. Final hour of the program with Matt Miller from Bleach Report. Colts top five pick if they want to address, say, the running back position. They could target Saquon Barkley coming out of Penn State. But the defense has been sieve-like. So let's play the forecasting outlook game. you got Jacksonville making it to the AFC Championship game. Blake Bortles coming back now from a wrist procedure. Tennessee trying to fix a defense that was outscored last year. They had a negative point differential, still made it to the playoffs. So Mike Vrabel got hired to try to shift the defensive identity of that team. You got Houston hoping that Deshaun Watson can come all the way back from the torn ACL. Cordell, way too early because free agency is not here. We've not gone through the draft, but give me your early sense of if luck is healthy, if luck comes back finally from the shoulder procedure, where are you slotting the Colts heading into next season? Man, um, you know, it, this is this is more optimistic conversation because, again, you lose a head coach. You have a pretty much a new coaching staff. You don't know if Andrew Luck, and hopefully we're all hopeful that he is healthy. Um, and so realistically speaking, I think it's going to boil down to how they do in the draft. How they do in the draft, how they do in the free agency, how they do in free agency. Do they bring in the back? I mean, they sit there, um, I would say what? They're at the third position, I think it is, uh, when it comes down to yeah, their position the Browns, in the draft. One, it's they're, the Giants, two, yeah, the it's third. the Colts, three. Yep. yep, they're the third. They're the third spot. So do they grab a Saquon Barkley? Saquon, excuse me, Saquon. Do they grab a Saquon Barkley? And bring him in. If they do that, to me, they're going in the right direction to help themselves uh, when it comes down to what they're trying to do. If they don't bring someone like that in, to me, they're just beating themselves up. And LeGarrette Blunt, I think he signed a one-year deal. You wonder if LeGarrette Blunt go to Indy. What happens to him? Does he want to stay in Philly? Does he want to go with Frank Reich and move over there? Jay Ajayi, he's a one-year deal, I think, guy. 
where does he go? I mean, I, I know by committee these guys can can actually go out and play. But Frank Gore, he's he's at the bottom end of his career. He's he's getting good numbers. He's he's one of the top. He's a hall, future Hall of Famer. Um, but it's time to to bring in some young energy uh, that can actually produce. I think a Jay Ajayi would be good to help out that running game just a little bit because of how he runs. You know, um, so I, I look at this being one where it's going to take some time for them to get, I would say, in position like a Houston Texans team to have J.J. Wyden, of course. We know Jadavion Clowney. Um, and looking at this backfield, uh, when you think about a Leonard, um, I'm sorry, uh, a Lamar uh, Miller, that is, along with Deshaun Watson um, in the receiving court that they have, along with the, the slew of tight ends they have, um, that can catch the football and do some things and look at what they got in Jacksonville. I don't care which quarterback you bring in. This team went to an AFC championship game. Anything else you bring in, you have to assume it may be a little bit better. But Blake Bortles, you know, he's going to get, what, 19 million bucks because he's, you know, he's had surgery on his wrist. Congratulations to him to be smart, using the system to his advantage. Get your money, baby. Get your money. So I, I just see it as, you know, Tennessee Titans, they have Mike Vrabel. You know, he's a good defensive-minded guy, and, and, and I think you have uh, DeMarco Murray, who may be coming back next year. We're not sure. You have Derrick Henry, who we thought when having to play the game by himself. We saw what he did against Kansas City in the second half. You know, he finished the game really strong. Now you, you're probably in a position, if you're the management crew over there, saying that he probably can carry the load in a game. You just got to give him the runs and touches and maybe bring in another uh, running back in, if, if it's not a DeMarco Murray, who we know still has some in the tank. I think they work well off one another. I just think all that conversation I just gave you is light years ahead of Indianapolis Colts. So can they win that division this year? I'm not giving them a chance to win it. I know they say from worst, you go from worst to first. The statistics says that it, there's a team every year that does it. 15 Jackson, in the last 16 years. Jacksonville, Jacksonville did it. Team. Philadelphia did it. And the Rams yep. did it. We had three teams last year. But we know Philadelphia did have talent. We knew uh, that the Rams, we, we knew they had talent, but we didn't know they would be this talented uh, and to be able to make the, the change that quick. Um, so when I think of this team, I don't think Indianapolis has that kind of talent. Nowhere. I mean, we haven't seen anything that gave you a, a glimpse of hope. Jacoby Brissett comes in, and I think he did a, a serviceable job uh, to help that team do as, 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 as you know, best as they could with what they had. Um, so you you have to be encouraged with that, knowing that when Andrew Luck comes back, this is being his system. But now it's going to be a totally different system now. So, again, you don't need great players. You just need guys that understand and that can be a smart football team and go out and produce the way they can. But I just think the other three, three teams are are block ahead. I just think they're down the road a little bit. You know, they all three teams, the Houston Texans, I think they have a chance to be a playoff team, contending team. We know what the Titans did last year. And we also know what Jacksonville did last year. So we know there's three teams that this year coming up, they could be fighting for the play in the playoffs. Can we say that about Indy? I think most will say no. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.